forever forever focus on that word it's a fitting song for this morning we've been saying over the past several weeks that just like you don't compare any basketball player with Jordan and any band to the Beatles and any filmmaker to Spielberg you don't make the argument to the Jews in the first century that someone was greater than angels, greater than Moses, greater than Abraham, greater than Aaron, and greater than the Levitical priests. If you were to make a statement like that, you better have a list of facts about that person to back it up. Well, we have seen from Hebrews chapter 1 to Hebrews chapter 7 that the author is making that exact argument about Jesus. And believe you me, he is backing it up. He has already clearly shown that Jesus is greater than everyone and everything. He is supreme in every way. He begins by showing his audience that Jesus is God's greatest revelation. He is greater than the Jewish prophets. He is also greater than angels, greater than Moses. And from the end of Hebrews 4 till now, where we are today, he's been making the point that Jesus is also a better priest, greater than all the Levitical priests. And we have seen in this chapter in Hebrews 7, the author of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, explain in great detail why Jesus is greater. And if you have missed any of those sermons, get online, fellowshipjacksonville.com, or subscribe to our podcast, and you can catch up, especially with what we've been talking about in Hebrews 7, because it'll help you with what we're going to talk about today. This morning, we are continuing with this theme. We are going to learn more reasons why Jesus is our greater priest, our great high priest. And the reason we are continuing with this theme is because the writer of Hebrews continues with this theme. This is a very repetitive section in Hebrews. But folks, get this. When God's word is repetitive, that does not mean that we're just to sort of gloss over it and move on because we've already heard it. When God repeats something in his word, what we're to do when we study God's word and we see that is that means we're to really perk up. We're to listen. God really wants us to get this. How many of you know by now Jesus is better? Anybody? How many of y'all know that Jesus is a better priest? You got that? How many of y'all know some reasons why Jesus is a better priest? There'll be a quiz at the end, all right? So get ready. Now, this section is very repetitive, but extremely important. This is an extremely important section in an extremely important book. A group of professors and prominent pastors were asked, they could have one New Testament book. They only have the choice of one book to have. Which one would it be? And a large number of them chose the book of Hebrews. It's an important book, but very challenging. Some of y'all know this, right? 
It's very technical, highly theological, lots of references to the Old Testament, Old Covenant, Old Patriarchs, Old Events, and how they tie in to the work that Jesus accomplished. But folks, hang with me, okay? Stay with me through this. There is light at the end of the tunnel, I promise. But go deep with me. Dig deep with me. Study through this with me. Stick with me, and I guarantee you, there will be fruit to come at the end of this study. When you preach chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the Bible, you go where God goes in His Word, which is what we're committed to do here. And you emphasize what God emphasizes, and it's very clear when you hit Hebrews chapter 4 into chapter 5, especially chapters 7 through 8, God really emphasizes this truth that Jesus is our great high priest, greater than all the Levitical priests. This point is the main point in the book of Hebrews. This is the heart of Hebrews. And one of the reasons why is because this book was written to a Jewish Christian audience who were drifting They were drifting from Christ and from the Christian faith. They were re-embracing Old Testament Judaism and were considering whether or not these old ceremonial practices of the Jews needed to be held up on par with Christianity and with Christ. That's why the writer of Hebrews is saying what he does here. He basically says, in this book, don't do that, don't drift, from Jesus. Don't look beyond him. Don't turn away from him, but consider him. Look to him, trust in him, cling to him, and abide in him. Why? Because he's better. He's better in every way. And he really camps out on the office of high priest. I know why Jesus is a better high priest. And the reason why is because To the Jew in this day, there was not an office that was more sacred than the office of high priest. See, the Jewish people, they they understood their sin and their need for their sin to be covered and understood their complete inability to atone for their own sin. They understood their need of a high priest to stand on their behalf before God. And the author of Hebrews is writing to them to show them that a supreme priest has come. And this priest has done what the other priests could never do, nor were they ever meant to do. He has come, and he has actually accomplished our salvation through his priestly work, right? through the life he lived and the death he died, through his death and resurrection. That's the reason the writer of Hebrews devotes so much time to this truth about Jesus being a greater priest because the Jewish Christian audience in in his day really needed to understand this truth and respond to it. But guess what, folks? Listen. God has devoted this amount of time in his word to this teaching because we need to hear it as well we do you know why because we really struggle today with believing that jesus christ is enough and that the work that he accomplished is sufficient we we like to think that we bring something to the table 
There is something of worth that we bring when it comes to salvation. We like to think that our best is good enough, that our works count for something. Listen, God is clear in his word that our works count for nothing. Your best efforts, apart from God, will condemn you to hell. Not my words, God's words. That's why Christ came. He has come as our great high priest from a superior priestly order to do what the other priests could never do, to do what the greatest of deliverers, the most powerful of kings, the most faithful of priests could never do. He has come to make a way for us to be forgiven of sin and made right with God forever. He has come as our great king priest. As our king, he has come and he has destroyed the works of the devil. He has conquered sin and death through his death and resurrection. He has done it through his priestly work, through the life he lived, the death he died. Pray you see that. Pray that you see as we spend week after week on this theme of Christ as our great high priest, I pray you would see the importance of Christ's position as priest for you and the importance of his work on your behalf that he has accomplished so that you can draw near to God through faith alone in him alone. Well, if you have your Bibles and you're not there yet, get there, Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to look at another reason why Jesus is a better priest from verses 20 through 28. You see, though he's continuing with this theme, in each passage he is introducing something else about Jesus' priesthood to just strengthen the argument. And in verses 20 through 28, the emphasis is upon the fact that Christ's priesthood is eternal, forever. And he's going to tell us why that is important. This is a major focus in this passage. He says, you're a priest forever, verse 21. He holds his priesthood permanently, verse 24. He continues forever, verse 24. He always lives, verse 25. He has been made perfect forever, verse 28. You think he's trying to tell us something? Forever, permanently, always live, forever. He's really focusing in on the fact that Christ's priesthood is an eternal priesthood. And he also takes time in this passage to explain why that truth, coupled with these others in this passage, is so very important and why that truth set him apart and made him superior to the priest of Aaron. So that's what he's doing here. That's his aim. Jesus being our eternal priest is a point that the writer of Hebrews has already made several times, but he's really making that point here. And the reason why is because the eternal priesthood of Jesus, thinking on the fact that his priesthood is eternal, it brings with it a permanence to what Christ has done on our behalf and gives us great hope and security forever, believers. The Jews didn't have that. They never knew what kind of priest they were going to get in the Old Testament under the old system. But what we have with Jesus is a permanent 
and powerful and perfect priest. For all those reasons and more, he is supreme. Notice the first reason given here for why Jesus is a better priest. Point number one. Jesus is a permanent priest who is the guarantor, the guarantee of a better covenant. Look at verses 20 through 22. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You're a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, verse 22 is really the main verse in this passage of Scripture. The main point is that Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant. We said last week that Jesus' priesthood, the priesthood of Melchizedek, was greater than the Levitical priesthood. The priest from the tribe of Levi, household of Aaron, Though they fulfilled an important role in their priestly works by showing man and, and woman their sin and their need for salvation, and they pointed to the need for a Savior to come, we said they could not, through their priestly work, accomplish anything by way of salvation. They couldn't conquer sin and death. They couldn't usher God's people into his kingdom, but Jesus did, right? Through his work, he accomplished all of that. And here we're given another reason why Jesus' priesthood is supreme. Here we're told that God has made Christ priest with an oath. The author of Hebrews makes it clear that the former priests did not become priests through an oath. Jesus did. It says in verse 21 that Jesus was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. So here we have another mention of an oath. Remember we talked about this at the end of Hebrews chapter 6. And we asked the question, why does God make oaths? We make oaths because we lie. But God doesn't lie. It's impossible for God to lie, so why does he make oaths? He doesn't make oaths because his word is weak. It's because our faith is weak. He does it to give us great assurance. And here we're told that Christ has become our true and better priest, and God has sealed his priesthood and his priestly works with an irrevocable oath. Notice it says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Irrevocable. You're a priest forever. This work that Christ accomplished for us through his life, death, and resurrection is a permanent work that applies permanently to those who belong to God through faith alone and Christ alone. So God had planned all along to usher in this true and better priesthood to replace the old with the better. He had planned all along that he would provide the solution to our sin problem by sending Jesus as our great high priest and he sealed Christ's priesthood with an irrevocable oath forever. That's why Jesus is said here to be the guarantee of a better covenant. Listen to this quote from the life application commentary we got it up on the screen says this better covenant is also called the new covenant or testament 
It is new and better because it allows us to go directly to God through Christ. This new covenant is better because while all human priests die, Christ lives forever. Priests and sacrifices could not save people, but Christ truly saves. Better. Better. This new covenant grants us access to God through faith alone in Christ alone forever. It's better. It can never be broken. It will not be replaced. It has been sealed with an irrevocable oath made by God himself. If you're here this morning and you're trusting in Christ alone for your salvation, listen, your sin debt has been paid in full, not just today, but forever. Forever. You are securing Christ, not by what you're doing, but by what God has done on your behalf through His Son, Jesus. You're secure because Christ's priesthood has been sealed forever. It will not be replaced. You're secure not because God is satisfied with you and your works, but with Christ and His. That's how we can serve God humbly, but boldly. If you're trusting in Christ alone for your salvation today, you are anchored within the veil in the heavenly holy of holies with Christ, and you stand before God worthy and righteous in Him, because of Him. Second reason Jesus' priesthood is supreme is because Jesus is a permanent priest who provides complete salvation and eternal security. Look at verse 23. The former priests were many in number. Stop there for just a minute. Notice he's taking us back once again to the Levitical priesthood, the Levitical system. And we learn here that there were many Levitical priests. They kept coming and coming one right after another. Why? Second half of verse 23 is kind of comical. He says, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. So, they were not allowed to continue in office by reason of death. See, the priest had this problem. They kept dying. This was a temporary office, and God really wanted to highlight this. In Numbers 20, beginning in verse 22, we have the death of Aaron recorded for us. You're going to read this passage this week, but let's look at it. It's up here on the screen, beginning in verse 23. Look at this. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron at Mount Hor, on the border of the land of Edom, let Aaron be gathered to his people, for he shall not enter the land that I have given to the people of Israel, because you rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. Take Aaron and Eleazar his son and bring them up to Mount Hor. And strip Aaron of his garments and put them on Eleazar his son. And Aaron shall be gathered to his people and shall die there. Verse 27. Moses did as the Lord commanded. And they went up Mount Or. In the sight of all the congregation. 
And Moses stripped Aaron of his garments and put them on Eleazar his son. And Aaron died there on top of the mountain. Then Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain. And when all the congregation saw that Aaron had perished, all the house of Israel wept for Aaron 30 days. It's times like this, I'm glad my voice carries. Speak above the rain, right? Or you can bump me up if you need to. This was a public gathering, right? To watch, to witness Aaron die. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Now, he's of course making an example of Aaron. There's other reasons here. But I also believe God allowed for this to highlight for the Jewish people that this office of priesthood under the old system, under the old Mosaic Covenant is not a permanent office by reason of death. And to also make the point that this Levitical priesthood, it's not a permanent thing. It was never meant to be. God went out of His way through His servant Moses, through David later in Psalm 10 to show this. And this continued after Eleazar. There was another high priest and another and another. A total of 83 high priests from Aaron all the way up to AD 70 when the temple was destroyed. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office Verse 24, but, notice the contrast, he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently. Amen? Why? Because he continues forever. He's eternal. Death kept hindering the ministry of the old priest. And the author of Hebrews says, hey, you want to know something about this new priest? He never dies. He never dies. And this is good news. Why? Verse 25. Consequently, because he is a superior priest who can do what the other priest could never do, he could truly save us because he is eternal, because his priesthood has been sealed with an irrevocable oath, because he holds his priesthood permanently, consequently, therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. One of the great verses in all the Bible right there. Because Christ is our perfect, powerful, permanent priest, he is able to completely save us. He is able to save us to the uttermost, which means He's able to take us all the way to the fullness of salvation. All the way through the heavens, through the heavenly temple, through the heavenly veil, into the heavenly holy of holies, into the heavenly throne room of God, and He anchors us there forever. There are so many things I love about this verse. One, I love the word able. I love that word. Christ is not just willing, he's able, amen? If he were willing and not able, that wouldn't be good news. And if he was able but not willing, that wouldn't be good news. He is willing but not just willing, he's able. Reminds me of the Charles Wesley hymn that was popularized 
by Matthew Smith and Indelible Grace. We'll hear it later on in the service. Listen to these lyrics. Come ye sinners, poor and wretched, weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you. Full of pity, joined with power. He is able, he is able, he is willing. Doubt no more. Praise the Lord for that. That's good news. I love that word able. I also love the word uttermost. Christ's salvation is perfect and complete. He is able to save us completely and forever all the way. And who is He able to save? This is key. Those and only those who draw near to God through Him. Boy, that is a, an unpopular teaching in our world today, but it is absolutely and completely biblical. It's spelled out clearly for us here and all throughout the New Testament. The only way to draw near to God is through faith alone in Christ alone. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but what? But by me. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus. He is able to save all who come to God, who draw near to God through him. But listen, not all will be saved because not all draw near to God through Christ. There must be a response to the person and work of Jesus. To draw near to God, you must give your life up and over to Him. And believers, we must take every opportunity to share this message. Parents, you must not stop at the fact that your kids say the right things about Jesus. Believers, you must not stop at the fact that friends and family believe certain facts to be true about Jesus. To be saved, we must draw near to God through Christ. Christ must be the Lord of your life. Or He's not Lord over your life at all. Christ is able to completely save, but the only way for you to be completely saved is for you to draw near to God through Jesus Christ. And when you do this, get this, you're secure forever. You know how I know that? Look at the end of verse 25. He always lives to make intercession for them. Christ not only saves, but he secures us forever. He didn't just act as our priest at one time at Calvary and then retire. He saves completely, secures us forever. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He forever stands for us before God. When we sin, when we fall short, as believers, Christ is before the Father saying it's covered. Jesus says, because I live what? You live also. As my life goes on, so does yours, believers. Boy, that's security, isn't it? Doesn't that comfort you? As Christ lives, you live. As he goes on, so do you. He is our, our permanent priest who provides complete salvation and eternal security. Last point. Jesus is also a permanent priest who is separate from sinners and perfect forever. We have already said that the Levitical priests were flawed, go-betweens, because they were fallen. They first had to offer a sacrifice for their own sin before they could for the people. But look at verse 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, 
separated from sinners, underline all of those, and exalted above the heavens. Boy, that is a different kind of priest right there, isn't it? Separate and set apart in every way from the Levitical priests. We learn more about who they were and who Christ is in verse 27. Look at it. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sin and then for those of the people. Jesus didn't have to do that. He didn't have to offer a sacrifice for his own sin. You know why? Because he's holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and is exalted above the heavens. First notice, he is holy. Now there is a little lost in translation here. Let me help with this. There are two Greek words often used for holy, and one is hagios, and the other is hasios. Hasios refers to holy character, Hagias refers to holy conduct. Now, Jesus is holy in both ways. He is holy in both character and in conduct. But what word is used here? What's the word? Hasias. He's referring to Christ being holy in character. He's saying holy is who Jesus is. He is separate unto God. God the Son, divine, holy. He's also innocent. He is without fault or blame. He cannot be accused of being flawed in any way morally. He is unsuspecting and innocent. That cannot be said of any of the other priests. Unstained. Jesus was unstained, untainted by the world, which is amazing because during his earthly ministry, he is right smack dab in the middle of the mess. He mingled with sinners, spent time alone with Satan, he had a lot of interactions with his demons. He was tempted like we are, but to a much greater degree because Christ never gave in. Think about his healing ministry. He came in contact with lepers, the lame, and the dead, and remained undefiled. Instead, he healed the lepers and the lame and raised the dead to life again. He was also separated from sinners, not physically during his earthly ministry, but spiritually. He was in the world, but not of the world. He hung out prostitutes and liars and thieves. And as we're told again, he was tempted like, like we are, but was without sin. He was our perfect representative who fulfilled our righteousness for us. And he's also exalted above the heavens. Christ, because of who he is, the great work he has accomplished, he has access above the heavens again into the heavenly temple, through the heavenly veil, into the heavenly holy of holies, into the heavenly throne room of God. And because of his great priestly work on our behalf, we who are trusted in him, trusting in him alone for salvation, we are anchored within the veil forever with him. He is in a league of his own. Our supreme priest. Look again at verse 27. The writer of Hebrews just continues. He's not done. I love it. Continues to make contrast between the old Jewish high priest and Jesus. He says, he has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins, and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Two things that are very important here. One, we've already talked about Christ. Because he was without sin, he didn't offer sacrifice for his own sin, right? Like the, like the priest of old did. But he did 
offer up his own life for our sin, and how many times did he do it? Once. Once for all. We said last week that we're going to talk next week about the furniture in the temple. There was one piece of furniture that was not in there, and it was a chair for the priests. You know why? Because they couldn't sit down. They had to constantly be up, working, making sacrifices. But listen, isn't it interesting what we're told about Christ? He did this work once and for all. What did he do? Sat down, right? At the right hand of the Father on high. That's a contrast there, a great one. Once and for all, no more need for inferior priests and sacrifices. Jesus is supreme. Our perfect, powerful, permanent priest who offered the perfect sacrifice once for all, for all sins, past, present, and future. Listen to what Peter said about it in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Look at verse 28 of Hebrews 7. The author of Hebrews ends here with the summary statement. He says, For the law appoints men in their wickedness as high priests, but the word of the oath, there's that word again, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made priest forever. The Levitical priests were made up of, of men like you and me, weak men, quick to sin. They were appointed by God to show the problem of sin through their priestly work and point man and woman toward their, their sinfulness and their, their need of Jesus. But he says here that when God set up the priesthood of Jesus, it was a superior priesthood. He set it up, follow me again in summary, with an irrevocable oath, and his priesthood was a powerful priesthood. He was able to do what the other priests could never do. He destroyed the works of the devil. He conquered sin and death. He made a way for us to draw near to God through him. He was a powerful priest. He was also a perfect priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. And he is also a permanent priest. He is our perfect priest who saves us completely, makes us righteous permanently, secures us forever because he is our priest forever, savior forever, perfect forever. That's amazing. It should make our heads swell, but should lead us to worship. Amen? That's great news, isn't it? I want to end this morning just with the simple question, and it says, are you trusting in this great king priest alone for your salvation? If not, you need to. God is clear in his word that we're in need of a perfect priest. We are sinners who are set against God, and the only way to draw near to him, to be forgiven and restored to him, the only way to be at peace with God is through Jesus Christ alone. And you can be completely saved today to the uttermost and secure forever if you would simply draw near to God through faith alone in Christ alone. So the question I leave you with today is, what say you? Are you trusting in Christ alone for your salvation? If not, I pray you would today. Bow the knee to King Jesus. Make him your Lord.
today and be saved. Let's pray together.